Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people. My budget blinds of Lee Summit. Budget blinds. Did you know? I know. Budget blinds is your home for the signature series automated shades. All hail our robot shade overlords. Look, if you are ready to make your home a smart home, do you know who to go to? I'm going to say you need to go to Budget Blinds because really, if you're I know, trying to like, make your it's home. Like you, it's like you were going to forget who the commercial was for. If you're going to make your home a smart home, you are not inviting you or I into it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, your friends, our friends at Budget Blinds can help improve the smartness of your home. Even our home, they could help improve the smartness of. Why, why are they so good, Jason? Because they are our robot shade overlords and they are benevolent and and we should be appreciative of the work they do for us so if you are ready to go find all of the beautiful things for your home window treatments and your automated window treatments go see our friends at budget blinds of lee summit right in the heart of downtown tell them jason next thing hello again and welcome to lee summit town hall a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference I am Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is glad I now have some soccer to get mad at instead of yelling on this podcast. It's Nick Parker, the publisher. I have never in my life been more glad to have soccer. How to make how to make your friends happy about soccer? Just be really annoying without it, and that's what you get. That's true. It may be the only way I've ever been happy with soccer. Well, fair enough. But I and today I was happy with soccer because the team I root for won. And that was better than not winning, which is what they were doing. Well, they hadn't won a game in like four months. Had they played so. a game in four months? Uh, they hadn't played a game in three, and they hadn't won one in four. So we yeah. can tell that's how things were going. So anyway, Link to Lee Summit is still the source for all the news you need about our very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today is one Patrick Mahomes II. Now, we're going to say this. The man has apparently been able to bring our fine city a Whataburger. Well, but Nick and I, it ain't a done deal yet. Okay, but I'm saying it would have been way better had he brought us a Taco Cabana. <laughs> you know, Jason, that's just sacrilege. No, it's not sacrilege. Look, I don't I know that you Texas. are allowed to blaspheme the great Patrick Mahomes. I'm not blaspheming. I'm saying that there's always room for improvement. He could go 20 for 21 with six touchdowns and no interceptions. And I could say, what about that 21st one? Why, why didn't, why wasn't that complete Patrick? <laughs> That's always room for improvement. Let me ask you, let me ask. I'm saying, look, I'm here to say as a person who has lived in the state of Texas, Whataburger, and I'm going to break some news here. A Whataburger, just a burger, man. <laughs> let me ask you this question. Because we all know the real reason behind this is, is that he says that's the best ketchup. So if it were yeah. a taco place, what would you do if you saw him put ketchup on a taco? Is he eating this taco? Well, I would assume. I think I think I would judge him silently. Would you Would you bat it out of his hand? Would you like block the pass? <laughs> yes, I'm going to start a physical altercation <laughs> with a professional athlete, Nick, just for ketchup on a taco. First of all, it could be a breakfast taco. And while ketchup on eggs is of questionable moral fiber, it's it's not within the outside the realm of things that are done. But one, you know, look, you could say this, that salsa is just a Texan ketchup anyway. So. All right. Oh. 
We're going to put All some, right, well, there we we're go. Put some th- sauce I think, on it. I think, I think it is clear. Jason is anti-Patrick Mahomes. I am pro Taco <laughs> Cabana is what I am. What I am. I I'm am just going to spread this Taco Cabana. You're going to start that? Yeah. You're going to say that I am the only person in the entire metropolitan area who is anti-Mahomes? Yes. Yes. That is, that's pretty rough. <laughs> uh, for now for a donation to else. Lee Summit Social Services, I will give you Jason's address. <laughs> <laughs> Better make it a good donation. All righty. Well, Patrick, keep it up. Bring more of these Texan chains. Once again, I'm going to say this for, for clear. Bring us a Taco Cabana, and I will forever and ever and on be a part of Team Mahomes. There we go. You heard it here first. Hey, uh, Jason, it was official tonight. Cast change for our favorite soap opera. As the council turns. As the... All right, so now I get to use Latin terms, ooh, by the way. Ooh, ooh, exciting. Sine, sine die. By the way, we are not is... starting the show off strong. We are not, but there we go. I just wanted to say the council uh, did a very small amount of business, mostly certifying the election results, uh, and then adjourned what is called sine die, which is the the official term is without a date. It's essentially adjournment without a date to come back because that's the end of that council. And then they immediately called to order with a brand new shiny council and gave oaths of office and did all the things. And, and welcome to our new council members, Hillary Shields and Andrew Felker. And farewell and good job and thank you for your service. And extra service. To Rob Benny. And extra service here, your extra eight weeks of service to Rob Benny and Craig Faith. We, good job, guys. We appreciate people willing to play extra innings. That's true. They they did. They held out. They were they were big on their they had a very high pitch count, but they toughed it out for the team. They took one out there. Sadly, they, I think they've both broken their public surface uh, shoulders, and they'll they have an ACL injury. Or injury. What's that? The Tommy John. They need the uh, electoral Tommy electoral John Tommy John surgery. Is in, they can come back and serve in another. Is finish. in the future for both of those. Uh, look, not a lot going on, Jason. But I do want to talk. I want to talk graduation. Oh, and look, are we going to talk graduation? We are. There's more to come. Look, we're only you know pushing into july here soon but the on again off again back on again graduation plans for the lee summit r7 class of 2020 they're back on just days after making an announcement that they were shifting to a virtual graduation the school district announced on tuesday sporting kansas city and children's mercy park have stepped in as the heroes and they will be hosting graduations on July 26th. You started with on again, off again. And then the further you got in, I'm like, this is the worst romantic comedy plot ever <laughs> in the history. There's a pandemic, a soccer team. It gets weird real fast. But yeah, so the district yeah. uh, had. It's a Marvel movie. Maybe. I don't know. To, uh, to, to have a graduation, which apparently at least at initial uh, things meets their their qualifications for appropriate social distancing and safety measures. Uh, we have in the second half of this show an interview with interim superintendent Dr. Emily Miller, uh, where we talk about that and we ask her some good questions and some tougher questions as well um, about that process and and what she went through with there. But as of right now, pending you know another or a continued spike in COVID cases or whatever else may be going on, because as we know. You can't even make plans for like until your bananas are brown. You can't even make plans that far in advance right now. Um, until we know better, this is the plan going forward. That's right. So let's just shift right over to that conversation with Dr. Emily Miller. 
Dr. Emily Miller, welcome to the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. I appreciate you taking some time to talk with Jason and I today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate well, it. Well, we want to, uh, we, we thought it would be fun to have you on and we could walk a little bit through. Jason and I are nerds. We like to talk about process and decision making and that kind of thing. Um, but it's been a, uh, a, a fun few months for the, for the school district uh, as you've had to learn whole new ways to educate everybody. And then we've been talking about the graduation dance. Is there going to be convincement? Will there be convincement? When? How are you going to do it? And we've gone back and forth a little bit recently. You had gone from some outdoor commencement plans at the individual football stadiums to last week announcing virtual graduations based on on guidance from the Jackson County, Missouri Health Department. And then on Tuesday, we get a big announcement changing again that, hey, we can do in-person commencement, but we're going to go across the border out to Wyandotte County at Children's Mercy Park, home of the Sporting KC Soccer Club. How did we get here, Dr. Miller? Because <laughs> sure, sure. well, we that is a fast about face. Yeah, we were excited to make that announcement today. But yes, I'm happy to walk you through that. Um, as we went into closure, um, one of the things that we try to do is, you know, um, really be mindful of that senior experience and, uh, you know, that culminating event for, for our students as they leave K-12, we really wanted to try to hold out as long as possible for an in-person graduation. So that's when we made that initial announcement um, that we would be planning a July ceremony at our stadiums. Um, again, you know, the whole COVID-19 situation, um, that's, that's been an evolving situation on a week-by-week -week basis, you know, as we continue to watch the numbers new guidance, uh, state opening up, Jackson County waiting for their guidance. So, you know, we've, we've really kind of had to be on our toes throughout this entire process. But again, we felt very committed to try to do something for our graduating seniors. Um, so that brings us to the next piece. So uh, we were in communication with the county executive's office as well as um, the health department. And again, working with them and having conversations with them. And you know, at one point, we thought we were going to be able to submit an individualized plan, which we did. Um, but you know, the county health department really has to dig into a variety of businesses in addition to schools um, and set guidance for multiple different agencies. Um, and so the reality of them reviewing every individual plan and uh, approving it um, quickly, we quickly learned that that was not something possible and they continued to point to their published guidance. So we had probably two or three different calls on that and uh, last week, and it, it was a difficult decision because really we were holding out as much as we could. You know, the principals had done a lot of work on creating that graduation plan um, at the stadiums. Uh, where we would have two guests per uh, senior, socially distanced, um, you know, a procession that was socially distanced, people wearing masks. So we, we really thought we had lined that out. And I have to give a lot of credit to our building principals in creating that plan. So the decision to move to a virtual graduation did not come lightly. So there was a lot of talk and dialogue internally about that decision, but at some point, if we were going to have a meaningful virtual graduation, you know, something more than just a slideshow with kids' pictures, we needed time to plan that. That would be, you know, contracting with a professional agency, 
that would be bringing students in and their caps and gowns, videotaping them, walking across the stage, you know, having their parents there. I mean, so we were trying to come up with, again, a meaningful plan. And so once we made that announcement, you know, of course, um, you know, grieving parents, grieving students, um, lots of sadness. Again, one more loss for our senior class. Um, so we heard a lot of communication, uh, but, you know, we were fortunate. Um, uh, Children's Mercy Park actually reached out to the district and they uh, spoke with Dr. Don Andrews um, over secondary instruction and really uh, came forward with what we thought was a good, viable plan that was respectful of social distancing, that we could really adhere to uh, being very health conscious, um, you know, only using 14% uh, of their outdoor capacity in their facility and trying to be really mindful about um, balancing honoring our seniors and also um, having a health conscious um, ceremony and events. Well, so let's, let's go ahead and talk things. a little bit about, about what that plan is. You, you, you said 14% capacity and I, and I honestly, I can't remember um, what capacity is at Children's Mercy Park. Um, Jason was trying to talk, but he, he put his Zoom thing on, on, on mute it's about twenty thousand. so so what uh, what are the other I, I guess changes what are the other things that you're doing to try to keep to to the social distance guidelines and and all of the all of those safety things and i know and we'll walk a little bit through through wyandotte county because their their rules are a little bit different than what jackson county is doing but but what are the things that you guys that that was in that plan that sporting kc put out to you Sure. So one of the things that they talked about was really, um, you know, parents being able to go in and they would actually set the social distancing tickets. So each family would have the opportunity to have four tickets. And so they, they would actually uh, schedule it so that, you know, assign people specific seats, rows, numbers, um, which really uh, is very helpful. Um, they have practice doing that. Um, and it really eases that piece. Um, you know, the other piece that we were looking at is again, you know, um, sharing with our families upon entry into the facility and upon exit out of the building, you know, making sure that uh, everyone's wearing masks um, so that we're honoring that. So between social distance, distancing and use of masks, we're really trying to be mindful of some of that guidance that's out there. And again, so you asked about the 14% capacity. So um, they can honor up to, um, I believe, 2,500 spectators. Um, we'll have between four and 500 students on the pitch, uh, socially distanced apart. Um, and again, you know, um, just being mindful of, of trying to keep people safe. Well, um, okay. So let, let's follow up on, on that a little bit. So you were saying as they come in, they'll be asked now, is that going to be a requirement to wear masks or is that just a, a request? So that was what was uh, put in our communication that masks will be worn entering and exiting. So we didn't leave it as a request. Um, so. Okay. Awesome. And then, and so entering and exiting, I, I, I certainly see. Um, so are they free then to remove their masks while they're seated? Um, yes. or, or is that okay? So they're, um, and then is, is, um, are the, I guess, sporting or the operators of the, of the stadium are, are they going to be responsible for ensuring that the, the seating is actually adhered to or, because um, you could easily see some, you know, if nobody's paying attention, lots of big groups getting together that wouldn't otherwise be allowed. I'm not going to say it, but, you know, I've moved seats a lot in stadiums. 
Yeah, I know. Well, me, I mean, like I've moved seats a lot in that stadium, so I, I totally understand. You know, some of those details, Jason, I mean, I think those are all fair questions. Again, we, we made this decision pretty quickly. So um, in fairness, we, we still have work to do um, to really kind of lay out um, some clarity and procedures. How, how was it to make, I mean, you did make that decision really quickly and for, you know, big bureaucratic systems, that's rare. Um, you know, how, how were you able to, to move that quickly? And I mean, really a matter of days of saying we are going deep dive full into planning the best virtual graduation ceremony we can to pump the brakes on that. We, we, we can do this in person. Well, I think that's the one thing COVID's taught us. I mean, we've got to be agile. Um, and so we've, we've had to respond to a number of different situations throughout um, this spring. And so, um, you know, when you're given a plan, you, you, make, you make decisions with the best information that you have. Um, and that, that's what we did moving to the virtual graduation. And then throughout a matter of days, another plan was presented. Had we had that plan to begin with, that was definitely something that we would have considered strongly um, in lieu of going to virtual, but we didn't have that option at the time. Well, it sounds like you are not alone, as, as Lisa won't be the only district uh, doing commence, making commencement home at Children's Mercy Park. That's correct. That's correct. Well, let me uh, let me let me take a couple of moments here and, and kind of take the skeptic side on this. I mean, so if if uh, most people aren't as Nick and I are avid watchers of all the news all the time and, and what's going on in government, but if it, and I'm certain that you have been paying attention to this as it has a direct impact on your services there as a school district. But in the last weeks, we've had in Jackson County alone, uh, record week after week after week of new cases of COVID diagnoses. Missouri is now at its highest rate of new cases ever, including during the theoretical first wave back in March and April. Um, these, are, these aren't signs of things getting better. And I think that most of the the expertise that's been out there talking about it, think it's not going to get better, at least in the short term future. So, you know, it, it, can you address that? That's a, that's a skepticism that we're, we're not in a situation like we were at the very first where everything is locked down. But really, the numbers are at least locally, as bad, if not worse than they were while we were in under the stay at home orders and, and during the virtual schooling time that you guys had. How do you how do you address those concerns that people might have that were, were that the school district is acting perhaps more rashly than the data sets? Hmm. Well, and I think we, um, as you know, I think this is this is an issue where um, people have a lot of passion. Um, and again, one of the things, you know, this is not business as usual with the move to um, Children's Mercy Park. So if you actually go back and look at how we traditionally run our, our graduations, you know, we'll have a class of approximately 500 students. Uh, students are given anywhere between six to eight tickets. So we're talking crowds of, you know, 5,000, you know, roughly 5,000. So again, um, being mindful of really, um, again, what those protocols that Children's Mercy Park would be able to afford us, even if uh, Jackson County had approved our local plan at the stadium, I think the plan that we have uh, with Children's Mercy Park exceeds that plan just due to the vast size of the stadium. 
Um, so I, I hear your concerns. Uh, again, it's, it's really balancing that um, trying to honor people through significant times in their life and also really being um, putting in protocols in place where we feel like we can honor that event and keep people safe. You know, uh, I, well, oh, go ahead. Nick, I got one. I, go ahead. I, have a, I have a quick follow up here. So you, who, obviously this sort of a thing, I mean, obviously pandemic preparation is not something that's on the day-to-day -day school district to-do list. Um, it has and, been recently. But, <laughs> you know, it has been recently, but until recently, it really wasn't something that we spent a lot of time on or thinking about. So how does the district go about what public health officials or public health information do you guys work with when you're making these decisions? Because, I mean, as you said, you, you kind of go to the, you try to go to the Jackson County Health Department and their guidance has been sort of, well, we put that on the internet, you should follow it. Um, how do you have internal um, people who make help make that decision? And, and what, I guess the follow-up to that is what data will be looked at in the interim to make sure that we're going to continue to go through with this. Are, are you saying go through the graduation or just yeah, go for re-entry so, planning I mean, in general? Well, I, I want to talk about the graduation. We can, we can roll into the fall if, if you really want to, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm just talking about the graduation. I mean, so it, it is certainly not outside the realm of possibilities that if the if infection rates spike or continue to spike or whatever you know we can but go up a lot in the meantime there are there are situations on the ground that it would make it so that the Wyandotte County or or Jackson County or any number of other groups would make that decision that we can't for you but are there metrics that the district is looking at and who's sort of looking at those metrics like the public what public health people are you guys conferring with to help make those decisions as to when you guys think the balance of it is safe enough for students and families? Sure. And, and we do have, we have an internal team. Um, so we have a district uh, registered nurse. Um, we have a safety supervisor, Ryan Hall. We have our superintendent's leadership team and we're constantly looking at Jackson County's numbers. We've been, you know, uh, Jackson County Health Department, you know, they're in a difficult spot and they're making difficult decisions. And they've been very good to respond to all of our telephone calls. Um, we've been on a couple of calls with the county executive's office. You know, we have Missouri School Boards Association guidance um, that we refer to for schools. Um, you know, we have a superintendent uh, leadership team or a team that we work with, the cooperating school districts, you know, and especially uh, when we're talking about graduation, now we'll have to be watching what's happening with Wyandotte County and looking at their data as well. So that will be a part of the process um, as we move forward. So, well, I have this question because there, like, like Jason said, there, there is the possibility, right, that things can change. I think the, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said the hardest part about all of this COVID stuff is the answer to so many questions is I don't know. Sure. Um, are you are you still like? Is there a team that's still working on the virtual in case? Hey, we have to change gears again. I mean, I, I, is that something you're prepped for or or not? Sure. You know, I have to, um, you know, really applaud um, our technology team, our teachers. You know, Lee Summit fared very well when, when we had to make that switch to virtual instruction this spring. You know, uh, we were fortunate a number of years ago, we made the decision to move to one-to-one -one Chromebook devices, K-12. A lot of districts did not make that decision. 
We also have um, a learning management platform, Schoology, that a lot of districts didn't have, don't have. Um, so we're, we were poised to deliver virtual instruction very well. Are there things that we have learned from that experience? Absolutely. Are there the things that we could improve upon? Yes. Um, and I think what we've done is we've done um, an internal action review. We've surveyed our families. Um, we've taken some input. So in the event um, that we, we have to pivot again, um, I think we're going to be better equipped with more information. All right. So is, I, I guess we'll just, we'll just ask since we're already here, is that kind of what you guys are doing for the fall at this point? I mean, I, I know that the R7 has not put out an official plan yet and I'm not asking for it because I mean, I don't really, think you're going to ask her this question. She has like three days left on the job. I know. Well, no, I'm just saying, I'm saying, I, let's mean, ask this, man. I'm asking the process question, which is the thing Nick likes the most in all the world. Um, what process are you guys going through to, to, to figure out what fall 2020 looks like. Sure. Okay. And that's a, and I'm going to leave it at process because we have, we are not at the point where we're going to share our plans at this point. Um, I mean, you do have the chance to once again, just throw the Dr. Buck right under the bus at this point. So you could do it. It'd be fun. It'd be great radio. I would not but I wouldn't that, anticipate so. it. <laughs> Um, so yes, you know, our team has continued to meet all throughout, uh, COVID, um, and it's been evolving as we've transitioned from phase one to phase two. Um, and again, you know, we have, uh, proposed summer school plans in place for elementary, um, that team's in place and we're still working for, on the re-entry. Um, so I mentioned earlier that we sent out the first survey kind of an act after action review regarding our virtual instruction. We will be sending out another survey here shortly in the coming days, um, really to get a sense of people's comfort level. Um, and that will help inform um, what that final plan looks like. How do you balance all of those, those different things? And I know you're not the only one um, making decisions. Like you said, there are teams, then you also work with, with the, the Board of Education on all this stuff. But but you have, and I'll go backward just to just to the graduation where you've got you're balancing the fact that this is a major life event for for not just the not just the graduating seniors but their families as well. This is a, an event that everybody looks forward to, right? How do you balance all of that? Like we want to give them what they deserve, but you also have to watch all these numbers and all these different things coming from from the health side how do you kind of weigh all of that to get the best decision yeah and that, and that's um that's a great question and what we've tried to do is we've tried to approach it um by being listeners um and you know there's always the opportunity for us to do that and um and be better um and we've also tried to take it as a team approach um making sure that uh we're talking to our principals who are, who are in turn visiting with our teachers um the staff sur surveys uh parent surveys um communication with our board um they're connected with our patrons so it's it's really taking in a large volume of information and really trying to make the best decision in the moment Really, can you answer me this? Will you just, at the very least, just promise that you'll take my kid back at school in the fall? I, the rest of them, I don't really, I'm not worried about, but just, just, just mine. Charlie is a delight, and you should be not so mean to him. So. 
All right. Well, Dr. Miller, thank you uh, very much for taking time to talk with us. I know this was on a, a short turnaround and, and you guys are in the middle of everything changing all the time. So we do appreciate your time and uh, well, good luck in the uh, remaining week of your interim ship and, uh, and then going forward thereafter. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good night. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link2Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. Mm-hmm.